0: From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of LPL Market Signals. Jeff Bookbinder here, your host for today, with my friend and colleague, Quincy Crosby. We've got a great agenda for you, a lot of interesting things to talk about, certainly, in a very busy week of earnings and economic data. Uh, Quincy, how are you today?
2: I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, absolutely. No doubt you are in the regular rotation. Uh, (laughs) I guess you and I were in the same state uh, just the other day, which doesn't happen a ton. So
2: no used to
1: to share Massachusetts with you here while you were uh, taking a little bit of a vacation. So um, here's the agenda. Uh, So we'll we'll get right into it. You know, of course, recap the markets as we always do. Uh, I'll talk quickly about the jobs report from last Friday when the equity markets were closed. Preview earnings uh, and talk about the US dollar. There's been a lot of talk in the financial media about the dollar potentially losing its status as a reserve currency. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Sounds kind of ridiculous to me, but we'll we'll talk about it anyway. Uh, and then lastly, um, you know, preview the week ahead with some really important economic data. So uh we'll start with the market recap and so I, I I priced this through last night. So this is a uh, Monday to Monday look for the last week. Uh, we're recording this Tuesday morning, uh, April eleventh. The um, S and P was pretty flattish, you know, over the last five days. But here again, you know, the market's been pretty resilient. You'll see an S and P five hundred chart in a second, but pretty resilient in the face of these bank stresses, Quincy. So uh, you know, we'll we'll call that maybe a, a win glass have full perspective on it but call that a win but we have seen a little bit of weakness in um, uh, in small caps and then looking at the global uh you know you're seeing some you know some nice gains in um, in Europe over the past week so in terms of you know the major indexes Quincy um you know either in the US or abroad um what what's your perspective of of how stocks have done over the last week
2: well, they, you know, they, they, they've, held, they've held up. I mean, but remember, the volume has been low. Uh, this is a major holiday, uh, Easter week. Uh, you get Good Friday off. Easter Monday is a holiday in major markets. And because of that, uh, it's one time, for example, that traders or portfolio managers will take an extra day on either side. Uh, of it. So we we always go into this period understanding that volume is going to be lower than than normal. So given that, uh, you know, and given that the market is more and more digesting the fact that we probably will have a rate hike on uh, May 2nd, May 3rd uh, at their next meeting, I think the market held up pretty well.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, small caps are, you know, more financials heavy uh, yeah. and certainly the, you know, the smaller banks are perceived and mm-hmm. certainly, and rightly so to have more risks than the bigger banks. So you saw some weakness in small caps yeah. uh, as a result of, 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 those factors, but generally the whole global environment is, you know, kind of marching to the same, same drumbeat. We're talking about the fed, we're talking about inflation, uh, and all that. Um, you know, in terms of the sectors, this has been interesting because of course, first quarter, we just had, you know, tech, tech and more tech. Uh, but, uh. You know, over the last week, we started to see the defensives uh, perform a little bit better. You see, I mean, a lot better in the case of utilities, up almost 4% over the past uh, five trading days. You have, um, you know, tech declines, you have consumer discretionary declines, uh, which, of course, has a lot of big tech in it. So, um, you know, I think the question in- investors are asking is, um, you know, is this move away from big tech going to continue? Uh, and, uh, you know, should people move into the defenses? What do you think, Quincy?
2: Well, I mean, you know, it's got more, you know, we we need more evidence. And thank goodness we're going into the formal, quote unquote, opening of the earnings season, which is going to be very helpful in, in deciding just that question. Where should we be? What What are companies telling us? What is corporate America telling us? It's going to be significant because, as you know, there's been a tug of war. Amongst analysts, uh, whether or not this is going to be a very difficult earnings season and that we're going to see a an important sell-off, that a recession is impending, it could be a deep recession versus the other side, which says, you know what, we're going to slow down. We probably will be in a recession, but it's not going to be that deep. So this is the market, the equity market, as you say, trying to figure out, wait a minute, are rates going to come down so low? that uh, because of, the, of, of a more dire backdrop, that utilities provide a, a, you know, a higher return. Isn't that correct? Because obviously it's the market saying, you know, expect to see yields coming down because of a deeper downturn. So it, it's this uncertainty in the market, which is moving away from the orientation we saw for months now in every rally, a cyclical recovery is at hand. A cyclical recovery is at hand, and now again you've got the defensives coming back up. We'll see. We'll see if they maintain that lead, an early lead, as we get into the earnings season.
1: Yeah, earnings will certainly be um, a key yeah. factor, Quincy, yeah. in determining yes. whether this defensive yes. rotation uh, continues. I think it's fair to say, though, that the um, you know the high beta, we'll call it. Um, you know, these more volatile sectors probably got a little bit ahead of themselves, a little over their skis uh, relative to the defensive. So a little bit of a comeback uh, probably makes sense here for healthcare, care, utilities, uh, consumer staples, uh, et cetera. Um, turning to, uh, you know, bonds and commodities, I don't have a lot to say here other than just the fact that, um, you know, bonds continue to, um, you know, offer some income. They, of course, are cushioning a little bit now uh against equity market declines at least better than they did last year which they didn't do it well at all uh and then on the commodity side uh we've had uh you know some weakness in natural gas certainly as oil has moved higher on the opec plus uh production news from last week so um you know energy doesn't look like it's doing a whole lot on the headline Uh, but if you break it into pieces uh, there's been quite a bit of movement there, you know, natural gas reacting to warmer weather, particularly in the northeast, which I have benefited from. And Quincy, you did as well recently on your vacation. Um and then pressure. was oh, not
2: a vacation. <laughs> but yes, it was it was uh, it was an Easter visit up up at Cape Cod, which is right near you. Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: right. That's right. So um but it
2: was cold. It was cold.
1: Well, but uh, coming up from, you know, a lot of the 30s and 40s that we've seen here in, yeah. in recent weeks, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll call it warm. The uh, The precious metals have been getting a lot of attention recently. We've seen a nice move higher uh, there. And so um, we in LPR Research actually continue to recommend precious metals related investments. Uh, you know, you have um, the the weakness in the dollar, which we'll talk about a little bit more later. You have lower interest rates, which generally helps gold, and then you have the concerns about the bank stress and geopolitics, uh, which has increased demand for gold as a safe haven. So, that is um, you know, probably uh the most interesting uh, data point I'd say to to highlight on this page. And anything you would add uh, to any of that, Quincy? Bonds or commodities? There's,
2: yeah, there's there's one thing that I would add to the energy story. And that is, it's, it's not a deal, not a deal yet, talking, is Exxon and Pioneer, Pioneer being the lead in the Permian Basin, shale, hydraulic, fract- hydraulic fracturing, fracking, if you will. Question is, why? What are they thinking? And, and this is important for the energy sector. What are they thinking? What, what, what would possess Exxon to even enter into talks with Pioneer, given, given the concerns over the energy future, uh, a green future, EV future and so on. This is a fascinating, fascinating development if, if it turns into an actual deal because it would be the beginning of other deals. We saw how the market reacted yesterday to that announcement that they were talking. I don't even think it was an announcement. It was uh, the Wall Street Journal uh, saying that, that talks are ongoing.
1: Yeah, very interesting indeed. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll see how that plays out and what impact that might have on prices. Yeah, uh, that would be a big one. So, um, you know, turning the S and P five hundred. I mean, I think we could probably just, um, you know, play a recording of, of of what I said last week. We're looking at higher lows on the S P. We, we're ahead of the fifty and two hundred day moving averages, but we 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 can't break out of this range you know, 3,800 to 4,200. Rather be at the top end of it than the low end of it. But
2: uh, this
1: has been a a pretty tough tough spot. Um, You know, maybe we need the Fed to be done and signal that. Uh, Maybe we need more progress on inflation. Maybe we need more information from corporate America in terms of the earnings outlook, because stocks are getting a bit expensive, uh, especially at higher interest rate levels than what we've seen in recent years. So you know, we'll just have to wait and see, but it could be a while uh, before um, before the S and P can break above the, um, you know, either the August twenty twenty two highs or even the February twenty twenty three highs. I think also it's important to note, Quincy, that breadth has been pretty good, even though you're seeing headlines that um, suggest that it's just been mega cap tech driving all the gains this year. Uh, I mean, it's pretty much always the case that the biggest market cap companies yep. drive the market wherever it goes. Yeah. um but if you just you know separate out the top 10 names or top 20 names and look at the rest you've got the majority of stocks in the s p above their 200 day moving averages you have uh a lot of stocks that are up on the year so there is it's not great participation but there's decent participation from you know s p 500 stocks let's call it 20 to 500 so I wanted to make that point too before we um move forward. Let's go to the jobs report. Quincy, I want to get your thoughts on this. I mean, this looks like kind of a soft landing type of um, pattern here, especially when you do the moving average uh, for payrolls. Um, we got pretty much right in line, uh, you know, kind of in that sort of 230, 240 range, which is what the market expected. Um, I guess, the you know, the question is, is this enough to solidify the Fed rate hike in um, in May? You kind of already alluded to it. Or do you think this could potentially, um, you know, contribute to a pause?
2: No, I don't think it would contribute to a, a, a pause. In fact, um, you know, unless something blows up between now and the May second, May third meeting for the Fed, uh, I think it gives the Fed a, a chance to put in one more rate hike, which they want to do, uh, and they would like to do it. You know with a strong labor market so maybe we readjust strong to move down to solid but we also saw where job openings have also eased and that's something the fed really wants to see because clearly the fewer jobs and mind you it's still very strong but it it is come down from that uh, you know over a million jobs has come down the fed would prefer to see that happen and not have to go after the actual labor market because As you know, the concern for the Fed is that if higher wages ease into a very strong input cost, that they try to pass it on as higher prices, and that's where you get the inflation. So, if you have fewer jobs opening, it means that perhaps, uh, you know, if you have a job, uh, you're going to be happy about it. You're not going to quit because it's going to be harder to find another job. There's nothing like concerns over a recession concerns over more layoffs to keep people in their jobs and not go job hopping as we saw so much so much of. And the Fed would prefer that because you, if you think you're vulnerable, you're not gonna be going in and saying, I demand a, a, a raise. So I, I think this it helps the Fed, but it also gives the Fed a cushion to go in with another 25 basis points, get that in, see how it works, um, the market is almost accepting it because we've seen the market reaction, and uh, right now there's an 80% probability in the futures market that we will have the uh, another 25 basis points, unless, as you alluded to, Jeff, that we see in the CPI report that comes out that inflation has moved down much more markedly than than the market is is um, pricing in right now.
1: Yeah. It- We'll look at wages here on the, on the next slide, but I wanna make one more point here. The bank stress really isn't in this number so no. much, right? Because um, the, the survey period was through March 12th and you know that was kind of just the start, yeah. right? So um, we're gonna see some impact from the banking stress. I'm not gonna call it a crisis. The banking stress um, in the uh, April payroll number that um, yeah. will be reported in early May. Yeah. Uh, we also have gotten um, some other data suggesting that you know you alluded to the you know reduction in job openings uh, that we've seen. Certainly, we got the NFIB kind of telling us the same story that yeah. job the job market is cooling a bit. Um, so the combination of what the Fed has done to date, plus the bank situation, um, you know, and frankly just slowing profits right And a slowing economy that we were already seeing uh, all that kind of points to a further cooling of the job market. So we may get, you know, something with a one handle next month we'll have to see. Um, so, um, here's wage growth. I mean, this is moving in the right direction. You know, we, I mean, it's possible, um, that, um, we're going to see CPI numbers in the threes pretty soon, probably not here, but pretty soon. Um, so, um, that is certainly, um, Encouraging. We'll get of course CPI. We get uh, tomorrow on uh, Wednesday, and we get uh, PPI. Uh, I believe mm. Thursday. We'll look at yeah. the counter in a minute. Um, but uh, you know, this is this is good news, and it's almost occurring. I mean, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen the next several months, but this is almost occurring um, exactly the way the Fed would 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 want it, right? Exactly. Cooling inflation, yeah. not a big increase. We've, we've hardly any increase really in unemployment, just reducing job openings. Modest cooling, orderly, and um, it's taking some of the some of the heat out of wage uh, pressures. No, no doubt. So, um, let's go to earnings next, Quincy. This is, um, I mean, I I guess I would argue that maybe uh, CPI is is going to be a little bit more of a potential market mover um, for the broad market because we only get just a handful of banks, but they're big ones. Um, We wrote a preview of uh, earnings season on. Uh, in this week's weekly market commentary, which is available on lpl.com, calling it an earnings malaise, right? I mean, we were down almost 6% earnings last quarter. We'll probably de- be down um, pretty close to that for this quarter for Q1, that's going to be reported over the next six weeks mm-hmm. or so. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, Quincy, the, the, I mean, there's two big stories, right? One is just the banks, right? There's a lot of uncertainty uh, around the banks. And uh, the impact of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank and all of that, right? And we saw tightening financial conditions. We've seen estimate cuts uh, over the last several weeks. So that's one piece that I think is a big story. But you've also got, you know, the other 85, 90% of the market, which, you know, is is getting a little bit of a break on inflation. And the revenue is still gonna come through, maybe not big revenue growth, but we could see a point or two of revenue growth. That's not so bad. And expectations are really low. So um, you know, maybe we could get kind of a better than feared, you know, in the in the commentary I wrote that it could be deja vu all over again, right? Last yeah. quarter it yeah, was There
2: was, yeah,
1: was yeah. no good number. <laughs> I mean, you 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 yeah. you couldn't find really anything good about last quarter's earnings season, but the market liked it. Or at least liked it enough to keep going higher, right? Could yeah. so we see a repeat here in in Q1 numbers over the next several weeks, where the numbers aren't that good, but and estimates come down, but market's okay with it?
2: Well, exactly. And this is the big question: at what point on this on this tug of war do you come and see that oh my goodness, you know, margin compression is so dire that now we have to start laying people off? That's the concern, because if you, if, you, if you take this and extrapolate the earnings and extrapolate it to the picture of a recession, how do you get the recession? You get it with more layoffs. That's typically how it happens. And then the question is, is that what we're going to hear during this earnings season? That in order to have operating margins you know, attractive again, they come out and say, well, we'll have layoffs. We'll have, and do they imply that in the guidance? That's why it's considered to be a very especially important earning season because the cost of capital is up. The concern over loans, the ability to get loans if you're a smaller company uh, or you're an individual because remember the consumer is what 70% of the economy. And we're already seeing a slowdown in the, um, ism institute for supply management service sector that is precariously close to that 50 level right contraction and expansion so the question is whether or not it shows up and manifests itself in this earnings season and if it doesn't and if we kind of muddle through the way that we have and, and and you know not stellar but certainly not dire either do we then leave this tug of war do we end it And we move on and say, yeah, it's a difficult backdrop, but companies are doing what they always do, managing and managing for the bottom line and for the shareholders. That's what, I think that's what this earning season is about and we'll see it. And I think it's also then gonna affect the futures market in terms of what the futures market sees the Fed doing. And it's all integrated, I think at this point. And that's why this earning season is so important. You, Jeff I, can you agree with me or maybe you don't that if we then take this and then take it to the second quarter's earnings season that perhaps the debate is over if we have to push it to the second quarter
1: um well I mean q1 could be the trough right and then
2: up and then tick up in the second and then we quarter. could
1: see right so I think that's that's possible um you know we all know the the game that that analysts and companies play, where they take estimates yeah. down, then they beat them, right? And so, yeah, you know, maybe the estimate for Q2 comes down a little bit, and then, and then you get a beat, and you end up, you know, down four rather than down six, something like right.
2: that. Right, exactly. that's possible.
1: But what what really interests me, though, I think is, um, you know, what's going to happen in the second half, when yes, exactly. you know, obviously the cost pressures could ease quite a bit between now and Q4. Mm -hmm. Right. And the market's forward looking, as we all know. And so therefore, there's the potential for um, a pretty strong late year rally on prospects for earnings to hold up. And, and, you know, we'll start to see gains hopefully by by Q4 on a year over year basis. Whereas it's quite possible that this malaise, you know, it's, it's possible we see year over year declines in earnings for Q1, Q2 and Q3, maybe marginal in Q3 if we get a decline. But, um, you know, that is certainly possible. So, um, you know, we're not buying earnings growth right now when we buy stocks. We're really buying the, um, you know, the optimism around late 2023 uh, and potentially into 2024. A lot of analysts think we're going to have a 10% decline in earnings from here. Uh, we're not in that camp. You know, we may get a very modest decline, but, but you know, if this economy kind of muddles through, yeah, even if we have a very... Mm-hmm. Mild and short-lived recession. You know, we we still think we could, you know, be in that two fifteen to two twenty range, uh, for S and P five hundred earnings per share, uh, in twenty twenty three. We'll see. Uh, but um, there's no doubt there's not going to be a lot of good news in in earnings for the next quarter or or two. It's it's really about guidance and the outlook and about the the pessimism, that um, you know, markets uh are, are clearly expressing. About about the earnings uh, outlook. So, um, let let's move on from that topic. Quincy, you you had a nice segue in there though about ISM services correlating to uh, the earnings decline. So thanks for for doing that for me. Um, this um, this next topic uh you know is kind of response to a lot of questions that we've gotten from advisors and clients about you know the U.S. dollar status as a reserve currency. Uh, you know these concerns. You know, come out of the political right more than the political left, it seems. But um you know the way I look at this, Quincy, and you know, this is really kind of right up your alley, uh, given your background and your knowledge of, um, you know, global economics, but um and currency markets. You know if the dollar's going to lose its place as a reserve currency, there has to be an alternative right that that's that's kind of where I start. And, the, and there is no logical alternative, right? And also, you know, China can't completely uh, disentangle itself from the global economy. They, I mean, I the way I put it is, you know, they have to feed their people. And if they don't sell stuff to the U.S., they're not gonna be able to feed all their people, <laughs> right? They're not gonna be able to pay the bills. That's kind of the simplest terms. It would be incredibly disruptive, right? So trade with the U.S. is going to continue uh, and the majority, I think it's 80% of global trade or maybe more takes place in dollars, right? Uh, of course, China, big trading partner, second biggest economy. So those are, I think, really two good reasons to think the US is going to maintain its place. But at the same time, Quincy, and here's where I'll hand it over to you, there's nowhere to go but down, <laughs> right? When you are dominant and essentially, um, you know, there hasn't been an alternative. I mean, I guess the Euro has been an alternative over the past couple of decades, but you know, there's when there's nowhere to go but down, down, sure, the US is gonna be a little less dominant in the future, but that's very different than saying that they're gonna lose their place as a reserve currency.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, you want a reserve currency. Many, I, just, you know, in, I had a wonderful conversation with a, an advisor from Ohio. His clients are asking about this. This was yesterday. And we had a discussion about this. And he said, you know, is it is it improper to have a, a, another reserve currency along with the U.S. dollar? And of course, you want to have it. I would have to argue, Jeff, that the Deutschmark, in a very short period of time, became a, 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 a Reserve currency of sorts, not as strong as the U.S. dollar, but it was headed in that direction. And when you introduced the euro, it was fascinating to watch how the euro traded as if it were the Deutsche Mark for quite a long time. Uh, it was it, it, to, to watch that was absolutely fascinating. Now, that said, you want to have. I wanna repeat that, you want a reserve currency. Many would argue at having this discussion, Quincy, what about Bitcoin? You know that that's a reserve currency. Now, I would, I would, I would say, I'm, no, I don't see that as a reserve currency. Gold, many people see that as a reserve currency. Even there, I'd say, yes, it complements currencies, it complements your portfolio, but I don't see that as a reserve currency. Now, in terms of China, They have longed to have the status of a reserve currency. And back in um, 2015, 2015, they pushed the International Monetary Fund. And remember, uh, before that, well, before that, I, I was one of the US representatives on the board to the IMF. And even then, we started hearing about how China was looking. To have a reserve currency, and you may remember past that they wanted, they came up with a structure where the yuan would would be uh, for oil, for gasoline. It was it never it never went anywhere, but they, but they tried. However, they pushed to have in the International Monetary Fund the strategic uh, reserve. It's their reserve uh, basket of currencies the SDR, uh, Strategic uh, uh, Basket of Currencies. And they said, we belong in there. Now, mind you, they in the uh, WTO, World Trade Organization, they are an emerging market. Nonetheless, they pushed and pushed and they felt that it was really important for their status to be included in that, that basket of currencies that the IMF, International Monetary Fund, uses In addition to, you know, the bailouts that they have and government government, uh, funding, various government funding. In any case, the U.S. turned it down at least one time. And finally, finally, because we are the largest uh, shareholder in the International Monetary Fund, approved it. Now, who's in there? It is, they say the renminbi, the, um, that's the other term for yuan, it's sort of like uh, British pound sterling. So let's call it the yuan. It is now in there. Uh, it is uh, in there with the euro. And remember, with the euro coming in, they took away the French franc and they took away the German deutschmark. And then the euro came in. They're there with the British pound sterling. They are there with, um, with the Japanese yen. And they insisted. And if you go back, for those of you who are listening, go back and look at the press release associated with the yuan coming into uh, the International Monetary Fund's reserve fund. It's fascinating. It gives them the status, if you will, of a, of a mature economy with a transparent currency. It gives them that status that they wanted by being approved to go in. Now, where has it gone after that? Remember, that's back in uh, 2016. They they have a force, not force, but I mean, if you are doing business with uh, China, chances are, if you're Australia, for example, you are going to use the yuan as the chief currency for uh, for trading. And many countries are doing this. What worries folks in this country is that it will move to replace the US dollar? I don't think so uh, at all. Now perhaps, and I'm just gonna say this, this is a question mark. What if in their hostility towards the US, Saudi Arabia, Russia, and China form their own currency for for trade purposes? What about that? I don't know if it would hold up. Uh, You know, at the end of the day, you need transparency, you need a country, quote, unquote, pays its bills. Obviously, that's important. And many are talking about how is it that we're always at the edge of the cliff? Are we going to pay our bills? Are we going to take care of a budget that, that is, is viable for the long term? All of those questions are raised as to the viability of the dollar as a reserve currency. So these are questions, but if I had to bet, if I had to bet, they said, Quincy, you've got to bet. This is it. This is it. This is the, as they say, the come to Jesus moment that you're you're gonna you're gonna say, I would have to say that I see the Euro, which had a very troubling beginning. We all remember the concern of what would happen to the Euro if Greece. Drop the Euro as their currency. I, I don't wanna go back over that period, but it was dicey. It was globally dicey for portfolios and it was fixed, but there will be problems along the way. But I would have to say that the Euro becomes the reserve currency. And remember, they, the Euro has been intact now for many years and they have um, you know, strong the European Central Bank that is highly respected. And I would imagine that that would be a reserve currency along with the U.S. And I want to repeat, it's helpful to have a reserve currency along with the major re- dominant reserve currency. It's needed. It's healthy. And, and that's, what, that's where I would put my bet that it would be the euro.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, uh, Quincy. Thanks for that. The, um, you know, I guess the other piece of this is just the depth of the U.S. treasury market or U.S. capital markets in general. Uh, and the transparency uh, that that brings, it's just, it's not something certainly that um, a China or a Russia uh, can duplicate. Uh, Europe can, certainly. Um, Of course, Europe friendly to the US. So um, as long as, um, you know, the US, Europe and Japan kind of maintain their approach, (laughs) you know, if you're picking sides, uh, that means there's a lot of room the. US dollar a lot of runway uh maybe the dollar goes down because of the budget and trade deficits in the U.S but it should be gradual and orderly uh and um you know some of these some of these risks we're talking about here are are risks you know over many many decades maybe but certainly nothing that investors it's hard enough to get investors to just focus on a year or two out right <laughs> but uh we certainly yeah. don't need to be talking about you know, risk for 2080, uh, right now it's, it's not, uh, it's not going to impact markets. So, uh, bottom line, we would not worry about this. Certainly we want to, you know, follow the geopolitical landscape, but, um, you know, the U S is placed in, in that, uh, in that lineup is, is safe. And there's probably maybe a little bit of room for the Euro. So, uh, Let's go to the week ahead of data, Quincy, because there is a lot of key data here. Um, We have CPI Mm -hmm. and PPI inflation. We have the Fed minutes. We have um, retail sales. You know, I mentioned, um, you know, that it might not be too long before the CPI has a three handle. We could have a four handle. I mean, I, I wouldn't bet on it, but we could have a four handle on year over year. Even as soon as this week, 5-2 um, oh, yeah. yeah. five, two, five, two year-over-year consensus isn't too far away from that. Um, what do you think um, investors should be watching in terms of the, the calendar for the week?
2: Well, certainly, I mean, it's it's a full calendar. And then we have earnings. We have the banks at the end of the week. And I want to hear what they have to say about about lending about what they're seeing, what, what are their customers, what are their clients saying? Because the, the, the beauty of this particular earnings week is you've got a, a, a broad spectrum of banks. You've got money center banks, you've got banks with global, global, um, uh, 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 global market, you've got, and you've got more of the domestic banks. We, we're gonna hear from all of them. And I think the market is gonna focus on what they have to say about stress in the lending market. Certainly, they're going to hear, I mean, the, the last two weeks of March, uh, we saw lending come down dramatically. Uh, we want to see, has it, has it picked up? Is, is it normalizing? Because if, if it is normalizing, Jeff, it would suggest that the, quote, unquote, I've got quotation marks, folks, if you can see it, uh, that the uh, crisis, the banking crisis has eased. That, that that we've wrapped it up, we have packaged it, and it has eased. Doesn't mean there won't be you know, other flare-ups in, in the financial uh, markets, commercial real estate perhaps, but, but nonetheless, that this has eased. So this is gonna be important for the market and we'll see how it is reflected in small caps because again, small caps have a preponderance of, of banks in, in, in our country. So we'll watch to see uh, the correlation uh, between what they have to say and whether or not we could see the Russell come in and, and, and the banks come, come back. So that'll be important, but certainly the CPI, and Jeff, you're so right, because everyone complains it's it's lagging, it's, it's, it's backwards. It is. But one of the things that we know is that at some point, even at the margin, we're going to see that new leases, the cost of new leases is coming down. Every industry report suggests that we are seeing rents coming down in the majority of the United States and it is showing up in the leases. So that's going to start helping I think the um uh, the inflation come down because we know that uh, housing rents and so on are a very strong portion of the CPI. So that's going to be it, it's going to be really important. I would love to see that it shows up even a tad because that would tell us that the trajectory is truly moving in the in the right direction.
1: Yeah, psychologically I think we'd like to see core year yeah. over year flat yeah. You know, five yes. five um or even mm-hmm. down. That might be too much to ask. Five four. But yeah. of course the, the PCE, a little bit better read on inflation and the Fed's preferred measure will get yes. that later this month. Um yeah. That that should start to show um some of the you know the lower lease prices that you mentioned, Quincy. That um, you know, real estate's a big piece of these inflation readings. You could you could see a really nice move lower. Um Starting maybe several months from now, but we're yeah. we're still in this period where we're kind of working through, um, those um, those those lease rates, uh, which are still going to keep the year over year inflation numbers a little bit elevated, a little bit sticky, stickier than we'd like, uh, probably for the next uh, few months. We've been hearing that from Fed Chair Powell, uh, recently.
2: Yeah. And then
1: um, yeah. you know, the last thing, retail sales. I mean, th- th- there's been a lot of data suggesting a slowdown, right, and that. You know, even though we're we're not in recession now, clearly, in Q one is going to see some decent growth overall. Not good growth, but hanging in there, <laughs> kind of growth.
2: Hanging um, in the growth, yeah,
1: yeah. If we do get, you know, up a point or two, um, which is kind of normal these days, um, but if you get a negative number on retail sales, which you're probably going to get, you know, that's going to get the, you know, bring out more calls for uh, recession coming soon. The consumers, a key. Uh, element to the bull case, kind of keeping us in this more muddle through rather than recession. So, that there was the retail sales numbers will be um, interesting as well to see if the consumer um, um, continues to uh, hang in there. So we we shall see. So a lot to follow, Quincy, with you know a busy economic calendar and an earnings season, uh, and uh, the Fed minutes too, which um, you know are probably going to continue to point to another rate hike. So um, with that, let's wrap. Thanks, Quincy, for joining. Thanks to all of our listeners and viewers as well for tuning in to another LPL Market Signals. Uh, We will be uh, back with you next week. Again, take care, everybody.
0: This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principle. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered registered investment advisor and broker dealer member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through